Before we start today, we wanted to talk a little bit about a podcast that we love and we think you will too. Legion has come to an end for this season, and while you are sitting around waiting, wishing that Legion would come back, you probably will also appreciate American Gods, which is a great show if you like Legion. Airing on stars right now. It has similar surreal elements and creepy scenes and ideas to pick apart. And if you like listening to podcasts, and we know you do because you're listening to us, you should check out the American Gods podcast, Shadows and Shamblers. The hosts of it, Alan and Anya, are fantastic at dissecting the meanings behind all the elements of the American Gods, including talking about the book, but without spoiling it at all. They're fantastic at what they do. So you can find them at shadowsandshamblers.com. We'll include a link to their podcast and where to find them on Twitter in the show notes as well. And I must say, it's worth listening just to hear Alan's kids at the end doing a little tag. It's adorable. I kind of wish, <laughs> I kind of want to steal it for our podcast, but it's too late now. It's too late now. Now we would just be uh, ripping them off. Exactly. You'll just All have right. to imagine that our kids are adorable on um, microphone. Exactly. All right, so on with the show. You're probably wondering who we are and what this is since we didn't introduce it. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And you might be watching the clock, but you're listening to the clock works. No. A legion. Uh, what's wrong with that one? That was pretty good. <laughs> A legion podcast. Today we have another interview that we've been sitting on for a while, and I can't wait. Uh, I'm so glad that we're finally putting it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we spoke to Craig Verbleski. He is one of the two cinematographers behind Legion. And, by the way, just such a charming and friendly and great guy to talk to. One thing that's great about Craig is he's from Canada, and so are we. And he's from not too far from the same area where I'm from, so we had some bonding about that. I don't think we have that in the actual interview, but I'm pretty excited that he's he's got an accent like me. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I mean... All Canadians, as you know, know each other, so we just had to call him up on exactly. the, the big Canada group line and say, hey, Craig, what's up? have a chat with us. He said, okay. So without further ado, here's our interview with Craig Rebleski. Legion is a beautiful show. And that is partly due to the uh, set design. It's partly due to the prop design. It's partly due to the casting But all of those things only matter if you can get them on camera. And we're very happy to be talking today to one of the two cinematographers of Legion who do that work of taking what is happening, putting it on a camera, and making it into a beautiful show. We have Craig Robleski here with us. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. So can you give a bit of a definition for lay people, people who aren't familiar, what exactly a cinematographer does on 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 a TV show. Well, the cinematographer's job is to take the director's vision and make it a reality. Uh, I always use the analogy of the architect and the engineer. You know, the architect will come up with the design of the building. The engineer has to figure out how to build it. And the cinematographer's job is very similar in that I will talk to the director and and listen to their vision and come to understand what that is. And then we have to figure out how to make it real and get it in front of the camera. Is cinematographer and director of photography, are those, is there any difference between them or are they two terms for the same thing? Because I've seen credits going back and forth between those two terms. Well, the 
the job is is cinematographer. The title is director of photography. Okay. Um, I mean, for example, on a documentary, the the title cinematographer would be more appropriate because director of photography implies that you're actually directing the visuals and controlling elements of the crew and and production to get those visuals. Whereas on a documentary, I hope you're not controlling the visuals because then it's not a documentary anymore. So that's sort of the differentiation of the job. But I mean, my job as a cinematographer, my, my role is director of photography. Do you watch your own show and specifically Legion, but even in general, like having been the uh, director of photography on a TV show, do you then sit down and watch that show or is it for you? I've seen it all. I was there. No, I love watching it, uh, not to watch my own work, but to watch <laughs> people's reaction to my work. Like um, on Fargo, the producers put together a couple screenings before we wrapped up the season of episodes one and two. And they rented a theater and we went and watched them. And it's so great to watch with an audience. I mean, it's terrifying, yes. but it's, it's, it's great because, you know, the, we can come up with these ideas and, and enact them the way we want. But if they're not resonating with an audience, then we're not doing our job. And it's difficult in a vacuum to understand whether your work is resonating with the audience or not. Right. And I mean, even, you know, my, my wife and I watch the shows together and she intentionally doesn't want to know anything about them right. because she wants to just watch it as a viewer. Right. You know, so I'll be sitting on the couch beside her watching dailies and she's like, I don't want to see anything. Don't show me anything. <laughs> I don't want to know what's going on. And, you know, so it's hard to tell her stories from the set, but, um, it's great just to even watch with her because she has that first reaction to it. And, and, you know, granted she might be a little biased, but she <laughs> will watch it and, and hopefully have a reaction that can be some indication of whether we did our job right or not. So when did you first get involved with Legion? How, how long ago was it that you heard about it? And when did your involvement start? I worked with Noah and uh, Noah Hawley, the creator of Fargo and Legion, and John Cameron, the, the executive producer of both shows. I worked with them at the tail end of season one of Fargo, and I worked with them on season two of Fargo. And it was during season two of Fargo that they started to talk about you know, the, this Marvel show that they had and, you know, there wasn't a lot of information, but they were sort of trickling out information about it. And then I learned what it was about. And, and then one day they called and asked if I wanted to join them. And I said, yes, please. I saw that you were on, uh, the CBC show Heartland and we're Canadians as well. And so we're, I wondered how, how you go from, uh, a CBC production to an American Fox production. Is there a big difference? It's a huge difference. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I I was talking to my agent about this. I said, you know, I kind of jumped two steps in the evolutionary scale going from a show like Heartland, which, you know, I had a great time on that show and enjoyed every episode of it, but it's much smaller scale, yeah. much more contained. And then to go to a show like Fargo, which is much larger scale and, you know, it, you know, much larger budget and much higher expectations in terms of, you know, living up to that Coen Brothers standard. Mm-hmm. And then to go to a show like Legion, which is completely different than Fargo, and quite honestly, completely different than anything I'd ever done. But also, it's not the, not like anything else on TV, so I don't know if anybody's ever done anything <laughs> yeah. like Legion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's you know, why we're it, talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a constant elevation process, and... um it was a. It was definitely an adjustment going from Canadian television to American television. Yeah, you know, in terms of the 
you know, the requirements, the expectations, the, the, the level of scrutiny, but also the quality of the material is, is so great on a show like Fargo that, you know, your ultimate standard of what you want to do is rise to the level of the material. Right. And Legion was the same way. Yeah. You're just trying to do service to the scripts because the scripts are so amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. How long does your involvement on an episode of Legion typically last beginning to end? Like, I have read that Legion has an eight-day shooting schedule. Does that mean for you, you're working eight days? Or does that, do you start before those eight days? Take us through a typical episode of Legion, your involvement with it from beginning to when you say, I'm done this episode. Dana Gonzalez and I alternated episodes throughout the season. So essentially the way it works is while Dana was shooting, I'd be prepping and vice versa. Right. So Dana shot the pilot uh, in the spring of last year, and there was a little break, and then they started shooting episodes two and three, which they shot together. So while they were shooting episodes two and three, I came in and started prepping. And I can't recall exactly, but I believe I had about three weeks of prep for my first episode. And then I shot, uh, originally our first episode was supposed to be eight days, and then it expanded to, I believe, ten. And then... Uh, when I wrap that episode, I'll go into prep on the next episode while Dana is shooting his. So we basically trained offices. Like Dana packs up his stuff and goes out and shoots. I bring my stuff in right. and then vice versa. So basically I prep for as long as they're shooting. So, you know, in, in most cases it was eight to 10 days of prep and then eight to 10 days of shooting. What is involved? Can you give us a bit more of what's involved in the prep? What do you do, uh, when you're prepping? What does that look like? Well, the the first step in prep is always to read the script. And the thing about Legion, as you know from seeing the show, the scripts are so dense and layered that it would, you know, on most shows you could read the script five times and be pretty well versed in it. Legion, it took five reads just to kind of understand (laughs) fundamentals of what was going on. And then you would have to read it over and over again. And, and start to understand it on a deeper level and start to understand all the layers that Noah was working in, which are just mind boggling. And I don't know how he does it, but, and then, then you get into the, the actual prep process, which involves a lot of meetings uh, where essentially you, you sort of absorb the script by osmosis in all these meetings. You know, you read the script, but then you go into a meeting with the visual effects guys, with the special effects team, with wardrobe, with, production design with set decoration. You go into all these meetings and you start to approach the script with very specific viewpoints about what's required. Mm-hmm. That's when you really start to get into the script because you start to also see it from other people's vantage points where you'll see like what the production designer has in mind for a certain set. And then that helps you understand the script even more. You know, so it's this process of, of almost absorbing the script by osmosis through all these meetings. And then you'll, you know, there's always location scouting where you'll be out in a van with the core group of people driving around looking at locations. And a lot of the movie gets made in the van, you know, where you're just talking about ideas and, and getting inspired by locations and just sort of, again, it's like it's a process where you don't sit down and say with a checklist about what you need to do. You sort of just, it's a very natural process of just peeling back the layers and understanding from other people's vantage points. And then really starting to piece all those elements together to understand what the final image will look like. So 
Can you tell us a bit about working with the, you worked on episode four, six, and eight, correct? Correct. So can you tell us a bit about working with those three directors? You worked with Larissa Kondraki on episode four, Hiro Murai on episode six, and Michael Uppendahl on episode eight. I yeah. suppose, um, I suppose what I'm really asking is from your perspective as the cinematographer, is there a big difference between the directors or is your approach to your work basically the same regardless of who the director is? How, how does working with different directors work for you? Well, one of my favorite parts of my job is that I essentially have to be a bit of a chameleon and, you know, I have to approach each project differently and, and modify my processes and my viewpoint and approach based on the material. And then the other layer of that is I have to alter my approach based on the director and to get to know the director and understand where they want to go with it. Because ultimately I'm here to make the director's movie, right? I mean, I, my input and ideas, but at the end of the day, it's their movie and that's what I want to make. So it's this process of just getting to know them. I mean, I always try to like just go for dinner with them and just, you just talk about, you know, again, it's this sort of osmosis process where you just talk about, talk about life. You talk about what they like, what they don't like, and you just sort of kind of get where they're coming from. And, and each director was very different on Legion. Larissa, you know, has a, she has a very unique mind and, and brought very, I can't, I can't even think of the word to describe Larissa's viewpoint. She just has, she takes a, a sort of sideways approach to things. And I mean that in a good way, you know, where she won't look at something from the front, you know, she'll sort of look at it from the side and try to get inside it in a different way. And Hero was the same way. I mean, Hero in episode six, he's, I've always, I was a huge fan of his music video work and so excited to hear that I'd be working with him because his music videos have an inventiveness to them and a practice, you know, he loves like in camera effects and has a sensibility that I thought would be perfect for the show. And it ended up being exactly that because he, he would bring this, this kind of approach like, why don't we do this? And it would be this idea that would be, you know, not a visual effects related idea. You know, the, the best example I can come up with is when Carrie is laying in bed and he sees the ice cube and the bed falls away and he ends up in the astral plane. And, you know, we were like, well, we could do that in visual effects. And he's like, no, let's stand him up and then we'll have the bed on wheels and we'll make the bed fall away from him and then rotate the camera and we'll end up in the astral plane. And it was, and, and the actor had so much fun with it because he was, the bed was standing on edge and he was standing against the bed. So it looked like he was sleeping. And then there was a guy with, pulling the bed on wheels, he could go away and then we spun him around and you know, it was so much fun because it was like we were kids again. We're just playing with <laughs> And Hero loved that and, and that's you know, that's what he brought to it was this unique sensibility and, and just this understanding of of how to get to the story in the most simple way, but really interesting visually. And then Mike Uppendahl who directed episode eight, I've done I've done two episodes of Fargo with him and He's a master storyteller and really understands character from the inside out. And that's always his first approach. And once we understood the characters and understood what they were going through emotionally, then we could start to build the visuals on top of that. And, you know, so he brings that kind of approach to it where, you know, he's a, he's all about character and tone and, and story. 
And that was always his end. So, it, you know, it's this process of working with the directors to try and find their way into the story. Right. And they all have a different way in. And once they find it and you're in there with them, then it's just, you know, it's like its own astral plane where you're in there just like figuring <laughs> it all out. And, and, you know, it's, it's really an amazing process. And I love it. I love working with directors. You talked a bit about a second ago about meetings with lots of different people with, you know, the prop department and the set design department. And who do you generally work most closely with on set? On set or in prep? Oh, you could answer both. I'm interested in both. Well, in, in prep, you meet with everybody and yeah. you, know, you have meetings with everybody. Uh, on set, as the director of photography, I'm responsible for overseeing the camera, lighting and grip departments, uh, okay. which, you know, camera's obvious and lighting is obvious. And the grips are the ones who control the light. Okay. You know, like if you put up a light, the grips are the ones who put, you know, the diffusion material in front of it to soften it or the flags to cut it and shape it. Um, and they also, the grips are the ones that move the camera. You know, if you're on a dolly or a crane or a jib arm, the, the grips are dealing with that. Mm-hmm. So I, it's my job to get those three departments all working together to create the image that we had in mind. And, right. you know, all my prep is is about getting the elements of prep together so that when we're on set, then I can get the camera grip and lighting departments to work together to create this image. It's quite a dance. (laughs) And is the lighting department, do you and the lighting department also collaborate on that with uh, Michael Wiley, the set director? Like, is he continue to be involved in lighting or is it once it's built? Especially now with LED technology and lighting becoming, it's, it's come so far in the last few years that, you know, on Legion, a lot of LED lighting was incorporated into the sets. Right. Um, when Dana prepped the first episode, the amount of lighting that him and Michael built into the sets was remarkable. I and mean, if you look at the Clockworks main room, every one of those sort of, they called them salad bowls in the <laughs> ceiling, had an LED light source over top of it. Mm. And that was all controlled through a lighting console. So Dana and Michael did an incredible amount of work to build the lighting into the set so that it feels like a real space. And also from the practical standpoint of shooting, it became a dream to shoot in these places because you had absolute control over everything. And, you know, you could just on the radio call to the person at the lighting board to make it red or make it magenta or make it any color you wanted. And with a flick of a switch, all of a sudden, you know, the space became something else, which was great too, because you see a lot of that in the episodes where, you know, the the use of color in the show is so strong and it's a lot of it can be attributed to the the collaboration between Michael Wiley, Dana and myself to build these sets in a way that we can incorporate color and lighting so that the sets just become very unique looking. Color absolutely is a very striking and memorable aspect of Legion. Like watching it, color is something that definitely stands out. Can you tell us any more about the use of color on Legion? Well, Dana, when Dana started the show, um, he and Noah had many discussions about uh, about color. And, you know, color is obviously a very strong element to the audience. I mean, people have a very strong psychological reaction to colors and you know, there's been a lot of studies done of it and, and it all rings true. So it was always a matter of, you know, the walking that fine line between embracing the sort of comic book graphic novel aspect of it without making it too much or, and always having it support story. I mean, the work that was done in the first episode with color informed everything we did down the road. 
you know, and, and Dana has a very specific eye for color and I have a very specific eye for color. And, and it was always a matter of finding a way to blend those two worlds and, and uh, make it feel like one show. I mean, that leads me to the other, another question I had about um, the way you talked at first about you and Dana Gonzalez uh, trading off. How much are you um, handing off and letting each other do completely your own thing? And how much are you uh, working together to try to have a cohesive look? Completely. Yeah, no, it's it's really important because, you know, the last thing you'd want the audience to do is feel like they're watching a different show. Right. It's so important. Uh, and, you know, because I because Dana started the show and I came in in episode four, a lot of the language had been well established and there had been very strong choices made about what the show is. And it's my job to to respect and retain those elements so that you know, the, the vocabulary and language of the show remains the same to the audience. But then within each episode, there's a lot of freedom to expand on that and build on it. And Dana and I would, would constantly be introducing ideas that would inform each other. Right. And when you would see, you know, it was the same way on Fargo when we worked on Fargo together. We would sort of, the, the show would evolve between the two of us working through ideas and and informing and inspiring each other. And it's a great way to work. And Dana and I work very well together. That way. Do you, those ideas informing each other, is that something that you have direct conversations about, or is it something that, you know, you, you see something that each other have done and build on it? When well, you talked about osmosis, is that how that works also? Or are you directly well, saying it's both? It's both. There's certainly, I mean, whenever I've started a show uh, that Dana has already uh, been working on there's a, there's conversations we have definitely about what he's been doing uh and you know the big picture of the show and what what the overarching visual concepts are and then you know it evolves as the show goes on and there's conversations that happen about you know when i shot this set i did this uh or you know just i just watch dailies you know you watch each other's dailies and you see what each other's doing right and you know you start to realize you know like for example on legion the color cyan started to become attributed to D3, right. you know, that, that specific yep. tone of cyan that we saw in episode four in the cells when Amy's trapped in the cell with Kissinger. And then you see it in episode five when they go to break Amy out of D3 and you see that heavy use of cyan. And then when we did uh, work with um, the Clark character in episode eight, uh, that opens the show when you realize you get so many interrogators backstory we attributed some of that cyan tone to D3 when he was changing into his, his interrogator uniform and, and when he's talking about, you know, wanting to go out in the field and all these sorts of things, there's, there's the use of that cyan color, which, you know, Dana and I talk about these things and it, you know, he's, he has a great eye for color and, and would establish this language that was so much fun to play with and then build on as well. Would you say that there's a specific challenging part, of, a more challenging part of Legion to other shows, or is there anything that stands out to you as challenging on that show? Everything about Legion was challenging, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, but in the best way. Yeah, you know, it, it like I said, it was a it was a difficult show to understand because it didn't. It took you know there was so many layers to it, you know, and there was so much to it, and and also it was so much about trying to find a new way into the superhero show. Right, yeah. You know, I mean, it, Noah has never been interested in doing anything 
in a, in a conventional way or a predictable way. Right. You know, he's, he always wants to keep the audience interested and engaged by bringing in new experiences and elevating the genre. And that was, you know, a big challenge because we couldn't, we always had to think everything through, you know, you can't make knee jerk decisions uh, on a show like Legion because it would be very easy for the show to turn into something that was, you know, over the top funny or over the top campy or, you know, it, that tone is so precise and there's such a fine line to hit that tone correctly that, you know, that was probably the single biggest challenge was just getting it right, you know, because you had to keep such a vigilant eye on, on whether something was tipping its hand too far one way or the other, you know, whether we were doing too much with the camera or not enough with the camera, you know, and too much with the lighting, not enough with the lighting, you know, it's, it's all about that fine line and doing it right. Legion is very psychedelic and specifically disorienting as a show. Can you talk a bit about how the cinematography contributes to that disorientation? Well, one of the running themes of the show is, you know, what is reality? And, you know, once you ask that question, <laughs> it opens up a whole different world. And, you know, it, again, it, but it went back to that, you know, we, we have to be very careful about not presenting a world that doesn't have enough foundation that the audience, you know, can find their footing in it. You know, I mean, the, you run the risk with a show like Legion of it becoming so psychedelic or so out there, for lack of a better word, that the audience can't find something to attach to, you know? Yeah. And I think it feels like, you know, and I talked to uh, some of the actors and I were talking about this when, you know, the, the, the humanity is the grounding element of the show. You know, the, the humanity of these characters and the fact that you care about them so much and you really are concerned about their plight and you want to, to know if they're going to be okay. Right. That, that That's the fundamental grounding of the show that enabled us to use that as a platform to, to take these flights of fancy with the camera and always feel like, like you were still attached to these characters emotionally and it didn't become so disorienting or so outlandish that you ever felt like you didn't know where you were or you didn't care where you were. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And the, it seems like the not knowing, I mean, as an audience member, there's definitely times when I don't know where I am, but not caring is the really important part. I Exactly. It's okay to be lost as long as you still want to get where you're going. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's kind of the approach that we had is, you know, it's, we were always very careful about, you know, if the audience was confused or we had a, we put a question in the audience's mind, we had to be very careful about when that question was answered. Right. Because, I mean, there was some questions in the show that didn't get answered for episodes, you know, where there'd be like three episodes before you get an answer. But there was always enough sort of breadcrumbs on the trail to keep them knowing that, you know, they weren't completely lost. And that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, Noah's writing. I mean, he's brilliant at that. I also, uh, Legion's a very surreal and symbolic show. So do you, and I suppose here I'm talking about you plural, like you as a team, create uh, motifs or single visual elements with specific symbolic meanings in mind? Or are they, like you talked about Cyan associated with Division 3, are mm-hmm. the visual motifs they have specific symbolic meanings or just general uh, interest and weight? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I think, I mean, everything has to be considered. You know, that 
when you're working on a show with Noah, everything you should you have to think everything through. Right. You know, you can't just go into anything like so. I just want to do this because it'll be cool. Then <laughs> um, that was the interesting thing about you know you read a Legion script and you first think, oh, it'd be cool if we do this and this and this and this, and you have all these ideas, and then you start to actually think about them in relation to the story and the characters, and you start to realize that you can't do all that stuff. You know, right. you have to be very selective and precise with the choices because for what we just talked about, you know, where you can, you can get off the path very easily to the point where the audience will be like, well, this is all really cool, but I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm confused or I don't, or I just don't, I'm not interested in this journey anymore. And that's, you know, that's something we never wanted to have happen. Is there a moment or shot in Legion that you're particularly proud of? Oh, there's so many images that I that I I'm proud of. I mean, I think if there's one sequence that stands out, it would have to be the the Carrie D three fight in uh, episode four, yes. and that montage where you know you see Carrie back at Summerland feeling all the blows that Carrie's experiencing. Then you have Oliver dancing in the ice cube, and you know Sid facing down the eye, and you know all of these elements coming together and. You know, because the show up until that point had been very cerebral with all the memory work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it was almost a catharsis for the audience, I think, to see all this action happening all at once yeah. and, and the layering of it. And also the emotional impact of the Carrie Carrie relationship, mm-hmm. you know, really understand sure. that they truly feel each other's pain and, and the visual representation of that. You know, on a on an emotional level, was very satisfying. But on a production level, I really enjoyed that sequence because it was such a true collaboration. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a day when we were out in the parking lot of the studio doing the choreography of the fight with you know all the stunt people and the actors and the director and the choreographer, and we're just standing out in this sun baked parking lot in Burnaby, <laughs> British Columbia, working this out. You know, and just watching them dance and just going, oh my god, this is so cool and thinking about the angles and then just like wrapping our heads around the sequence and it was such a true collaboration and then to see it come together the way it did was was so satisfying. I noticed something in watching uh, you seem to like and, and correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm seeing something that isn't there but you seem to like uh, shots where there's a really tight focus and then within the shot the focus changes to something else in the same shot i noticed that as something that comes up in uh episode four six and eight in a few different moments where something will be in the foreground and then the focus will change while the camera stays steady is that a uh is that your choice or a choice the director uh it's I guess, I don't know, I've never really thought about it, but I guess, I mean, I, you know, it's all about, it's all about, I mean, my, a huge part of my job is that, is, you know, kind of guiding the audience as to where to look. Right. And I've always been a fan of using focus as a way to do that. I mean, which is not, you know, it's not singular to me. It's a quite a, you know, it's one of the basic tools of cinematography, but it's a, it's a very powerful tool. And especially with the way we shoot the show, you know, because we use shorter focal lengths. You know, we right. don't use long lenses. We don't use telephoto lenses. So you always feel like you're very present there mm-hmm. with the audience or with the characters. You know, the, it's like having a conversation where you're sitting across the table from someone versus across the room. It's that right. sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you 
start getting the camera in very close to people, the focus becomes very particular and precise and you have a reduced depth of field. So you could have it where just someone's eyes would be in focus and the rest of the world will be completely out of focus. But then if you shift that focus to somewhere else, it can be very powerful. And it, and it's a funny thing because on Fargo, we don't do a lot of that. You don't see a lot of, it's called a rack focus. And we don't do a lot of that on Fargo. It's actually one of the rules of the show that we try to not do those big rack focuses mm-hmm. because it's, it's a very, um, for lack of a better word, overt way of drawing the audience's attention. And, you know, it's just not part of the language of Fargo. But on Legion, it was a powerful tool that we used a lot. I also noticed the first seven minutes of uh, episode eight when we're with Clark the interrogator and we're... Uh, seeing his backstory just look very different from the rest of that episode and from the rest of the show as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I really embraced that. I mean, I wanted, my idea was that I wanted the D3 work, D3 to have a very specific feel. So you knew you were in a different place. Right. Um, and you, we also shot it widescreen. You know, we shot, the widescreen uh, aspect ratio, you know, two four zero to one aspect ratio. So it was all widescreen. So it was a different sized image to work with. And I wanted to really embrace the sort of graphic novel quality of D three. You know, the way the way Clark is lit, especially with the fact that half his face is burnt and half of it wasn't, was something that Michael Uppendahl and I really wanted to play with. Where there's the sort of human side of him, which was the side that wasn't burned. And the burn side of him was the interrogator side. Yeah. So we wanted to play with that, you know, and you see it when we first reveal his burns and we, we come around and we're on the non-burn side of his face. And then in the mirror, you see the burn side of his face. So there's this sort of duality of his character. And we really want, I wanted to play with that with lighting and also just make those frames feel like, like a frame from a graphic novel. You know, I, I didn't really embrace the graphic novel side of it as strongly in the rest of the the rest of my episodes but that one i said let's just make this like frames from a graphic novel right you know and i'm hoping we succeeded that you know if you look at those d3 frames they feel like frames from a graphic novel yeah Yeah, definitely um are you a are you a graphic novel comic book uh reader and fan uh to be honest no (laughs) (laughs) and you know and i intentionally didn't immerse myself in that world before doing Legion because I knew that Noah would bring his own take on it and his own perspective to it. And I honestly didn't want to go into the show with preconceived notions about what I thought Legion was based on graphic novels. I mean, I'd seen the X-Men movies, obviously, and I've seen a lot of Marvel movies, and I've always enjoyed them, but I'm certainly not steeped in the lore of it. And, you know, I I have the utmost respect for it, and I love it, (laughs) and I know that I... And fascinated by by people who have immersed themselves in it because it's it's truly a commitment mm-hmm. and and you know as a filmmaker I'm so thankful that people do immerse themselves in it because uh, it makes it fun for us that people you know the audience are so invested in what we're doing and and they look for all of those little things and you know you can put a little Easter egg in mm-hmm. and the audience will get it. And they'll be like, look, yeah, I get that, I get that. You know, and it's, it's so fulfilling as a filmmaker when you can do that. You know, something like embracing the, the graphic novel look for the D3, you hope that the audience, because they're so sophisticated, 
in the material, you hope that they'll latch onto it. Mm-hmm. Legion's very much not a typical superhero show. I'm curious about whether you um, either, on one hand, do you, are there any aspects of it other than the what the D3 that we've already talked about? Are there any aspects of the visual language where you're specifically uh, referencing superhero movies or the, on the opposite? Are there things that you're specifically avoiding because they will reference superhero movies? Yeah, definitely both. I mean, we were always very careful to not sort of be arch about it, right. you know, or make it, um, you know, it's like make it sort of like, Oh, look, we're just sort of doing what, what you'd expect of a superhero movie. I mean, but at the same time, you know, you look at the sequence in the hallway, uh, in episode eight, you know, when David squares off with, with, uh, Carrie who has Lenny inside of her, you know, we had the big spinning fan behind David with the smoke coming through. And, you know, it's a very superhero image. And we just said, you know, let's embrace it. You know, let's for that. You know, this is a, a showdown of two superpowers. Let's embrace it and put that, you know, almost cliched image behind David of the big spinning fan with the X and, you know, the smoke coming through and all that. And it was fun, you know, and that's, but that's when we said, okay, let's just go all in on this because this is the showdown. Right. You know, and this is this is a moment when David is embracing his superhero powers and saying, "Okay, now I need to use what I have in my arsenal against the forces of evil." So we thought, "Okay, he's all in. We're all in." Is there anything about um, your role as a cinematographer, the the job of being a director of photography, that you think uh, people don't know or understand, and you wish they did? Hmm. that's a big question i mean i i've always believed that if people are paying too much attention to what i'm doing then then i'm not doing my job well right you know what i mean like if if people are going like wow look at that shot or look at that lighting at the expense of paying attention to character and story then i'm not doing my job well right right Um, and i you know i think there's value in a bit of mystery to what we do um sure you know, I think it's I think it's great that people are interested in what cinematographers do, but ultimately, you know, as people we tend to sort of be in the background and we kinda like it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um finally, uh where can people follow you and where can they see your work next? Uh well Fargo season three is on the air now and my next episode airs uh this Wednesday night and then I'll be I have episode seven and eight coming up, which will be Sometime later this year, I don't know, I guess in three or four weeks. And uh, I'm not sure what I'm doing next, so I can't really say what to look for down the road, but they can always keep an eye on my website, craigwoodleski.com, which uh, I try to keep updated as best as my schedule will allow. And uh, I'm also on Instagram at uh, crobleski. And uh, yeah, I guess that's the best way. Thank you so very much for for this conversation. It has been delightful. Thank you. Thanks for your interest in my work, and if uh, you think of anything that that we forgot to talk about or any follow-up questions, feel free to get in touch. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was our interview with Craig Robleski. Uh, It went really well. I think it really did. He was really good. I didn't know very much about a cinematographer and what they do, so that was very interesting to talk to him and just hear about what the cinematographer does. Absolutely. Yeah, he said some very interesting stuff. And then to hear about 
cinematography on Legion and mm-hmm. what goes into that. So He also talked quite a bit about Fargo. He did. And as did Jeff Russo. And we had these interviews where they were talking so much about Noah Hawley's other show that we had to check it out. And we've been watching, we watched the first season and we're into the second season now. And it is so different from Legion, but it's really good. And we might do even like a special show or something talking about Fargo. And I have to say, like I knew about Fargo and Jeff Russo talked about Fargo, but it was really this interview that made me say, yeah. well, now I have to go listen. Yeah. I have to go watch Fargo. Um, the things that he had to say about Fargo and the way that he was so enthusiastic about Legion and Fargo and working with Noah Hawley and working mm-hmm. with the whole team that puts those shows together yeah. was persuaded me to go look it up right away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just that I wasn't familiar with what really goes into being a cinematographer. Mm. And that was very interesting yes. to hear about what goes into the work that he does and mm. how he goes about it and how he looks at it. And that was all new information to me. And everyone who works for it, for every element of Legion is so thoughtful. Yes. And everyone who works on it is smart. Yes. And isn't just like, you know, someone who's just moving a camera around because they're doing what they're being told. It feels like they have this group vision and they're all kind of coming together and, and making Noah's vision. Yeah. And that's fantastic. One of the things that he said in the interview is that moving from Canadian TV to American TV and specifically moving from Heartland on CBC mm-hmm. to Fargo on Fox was like jumping two steps in his career. And I feel like in this interview, one of the things that came out for me is it is obvious why he would be able to. Because yes. he's thoughtful, he mm-hmm. thinks about how to put... And everyone involved in Legion seems to be the same, that I'm sure there are plenty of people, composers, cinematographers, prop people who are putting in a day's work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people who are going beyond that end up making a show like Legion. They're true artists. There's, yeah. a, there's a real artistry to this, and we're really seeing it and interviewing these people, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it even better. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. If you'd like to talk to us about this interview, you can find us on Twitter at ClockworksCast. You can email us at ClockworksCast at gmail.com. Our website is goodstuff.fm slash clockworks. If you like what we do and want to support us, leave a rating or review on iTunes. Five stars or higher is what we want to see. <laughs> and, and more directly on Patreon. Patreon.com slash ClockworksCast, where you can give as little as a dollar a month or whatever you would like to. And that absolutely, that support will make a difference to the quality of the show that you get to hear from us. So if you want us to be better than we are, we can't. Believe it or not, it's possible for us to be better than we are. New microphones for season two. um, So thank you very much for joining us. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. Goodbye. Goodbye.